Hey guys, welcome back. It's a two for Tuesday, two coin shop podcast, two on Tuesday. First was Ryan. Now we got our friend Paul Hollis all the way from Manville, Louisiana. Now, for you guys that don't know Paul Hollis, he has uh, been a state legislator for how many years? 11 years now. 11 years now. Holds house seat 104 um, and has been fighting for bullion sales tax for yeah, ever since I got in office, I just think it's a, a travesty to charge, you know, people a 9, 10, 11% margin to send to the government on trying to buy something tangible and real like gold and silver bullion and numismatic coins. Ladies and gentlemen, Coming to you from the U.S. Coins and Jewelry Studios in Houston, Texas, the Duncan Brothers, Kenny and Matthew, proudly present the most valuable audio you'll ever hear. It's time for the Coin Shop Podcast. So... I guess that, that leads us right into, so kind of what got you into first coins and then what got you into battling? Yeah, I've always been a guy to follow my heart. When I was a little kid, uh, my grandmother, I was six years old, and I still remember, it's probably one of my earliest memories, she gave me a peace dollar, and my brothers were like, what, what's going on with Paul? And I would just hold that peace dollar and stare at it and, you know, I mean, wonder what, what has happened in the time in which uh, that coin was um, produced. And ever since then, you know, the more I could learn, the more I could read about coins, the stories, it really, through all of my years, has been something that gets me really excited to, to talk about. And cool. I remember when friends would come over to the house, and be like, let me show you my coin collection. My brothers, they were always embarrassed, like, oh, gosh, here goes Paul again. And <laughs> most of the people would be like, I don't, I don't care about that. But every now and then I'd find somebody, they're like, that's cool, you know. Yeah, and right. those are the people that I, that I like, you know. So <laughs> I, I think they, they call us coin weenies, and I don't mind to admit it, I'm I'm a real coin weenie. So, well, my first fantasy football team was called the, the Coin Weenies. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah. So I, I, uh, I can, uh, I can, I can, I feel you right there. Yeah. No, I understand. So, I understand. All right. So, um, so they, that that's your coin beginning. Um, you, we were talking a little bit earlier. You did sell coins at Blanchard. Tell me kind of how you got in there. Yeah, yeah. I actually went to um, LSU, graduated from LSU, a political science degree, uh, planned to go into the, the family business. But before very long, um, I uh, made friends with folks at Blanchard, and I said, hey, why don't you give me a job here? And I worked there for a number of years, and at some point I became their uh, numismatist, which basically made me uh, like a liaison uh, between John Albanese, who did consulting work, work for, for Blanchard. And I could, I can say early on in my um, numismatic career, I was in my early 20s, I got to know and, and meet all kinds of uh, folks in the industry that were super, super marquee. I mean, your dad, for, for one, uh, Kenny Sr., uh, it was exciting to meet him, your your Uncle Danny. And, um, Uncle, you know, they, Uncle would, Dan, they, shout they, out. They, they would come into town and, and visit us at Blanchard. And I was just uh, all the people whose books that I read as a little kid, you know, like 
like Doug Winter. I, I got to meet those folks and it was, it was awesome. And to this day, I'm a guy, I don't feel like I've ever worked a day in my life because every day I've done something that I, that I truly enjoy. That's but cool. 11 years ago, I got a, a wild hair to run for political office and uh, that kind of sidetracked my coin career. Not that I didn't continue to trade coins, but I've done that now for 11 years and that's been uh, very fulfilling. Cool. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this real quick. Can you say liaison again? Liaison. Did I say it's strange? <laughs> you said it very, 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 uh, I don't know how I, let me see. You said it very Mandeville way. What, li- liaison. Li- can you say it? You say liaison. Liaison. Maybe <laughs> that's French. Maybe, very... Yeah. My French yeah. <laughs> heritage, I guess. Yeah, I liked so. it. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, that was the cool thing, though, because I would go, you know, place to place with John at coin shows. And I remember meeting, you know, a lot of folks that are still friends to this to this day. And not many people get that kind of experience. And I really just walked into it. I mean, who would have known, you know, that that Blanchard was right there in New Orleans. And I've lived in Louisiana almost my uh, entire life. Now, were you guys handpicking coins? Back then, were you guys stringent on product back then? As, yeah, as they are? Okay. yeah. And his eye is, you know, and your dad's eye, just phenomenal, picking out, you know, some amazing coins and, and values. But, I mean, that's what, going back almost 30 years ago, and I think of the changes in the marketplace today and, and the values of coins, it's just, uh, it's amazing, you know. And I see why people continue to uh, buy collectible coins, and the coin market is doing great. And then with COVID in these last three years, I never would have thought that the market would be as strong as it is but uh, despite you know an international uh you know tragedy like COVID has been all it's done is uh, boost the coin market and i'm excited about the future and you guys are always on the cutting edge with what y'all do here um at u.s coins and i really appreciate being on y'all's uh podcast today no we're glad to have you man it was you know i was um it was a little surprising to see you here today and then you know you just kind of kind of naturally happened and say, Hey, let's get in the, let's, let's go to the podcast room and see if we can't get what we can get out of old Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. uh, happy so, to talk to you guys. So. You know, y'all got a great set here too. It's, it's really nice. You yeah. Know? Well, I appreciate very that. high end. Yeah, yeah. We, we appreciate that. We work pretty hard. It, you know, it was something that we just kind of kicked around the idea for a while. And then, um, it just got, you know, we just kind of caught fire and it was like, okay, Hey, we're going to do this, you know, so we're going to need this, 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 and this. And, and we started kind of putting things together and started putting some guests together. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, like if anything, you know, it's been fun at the end of the day, like, kind of like you said, you know, you go to, you never felt like you were working because you were having, you know, the time of your life. And I feel the same way. You know, I walk in and I get to see my brothers. I get to say hi to my dad. You know, I get to see my uncles. Um, and uncles and I, you know, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a great environment. Uh, everybody works hard. Everybody has a contribution. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's truly, it's truly a team effort here. And that's, I think that's why we are. And I know that's why that's where, why we're as, as successful as we are yeah. today. Well, I think that's awesome. And you got to love family businesses and the fact that you guys, I mean, have your uncles here and your dad. I mean, how awesome is it for him to have, you know, all three boys in the business and his brother? I mean, it's really cool. Well, and also contributing. 
Yeah. 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 Everybody's yeah. got. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I know a lot of family businesses and they got people, they got some laggards. Yeah. Right? But <laughs> well, there's got- a lot of families where brothers can't talk to brothers and yeah. fathers can't talk to sons and, sure. and vice versa. But you guys get along so beautifully and y'all yeah. feed off of each other's energy and you all have your space here. And then, you know, in my visits here and to me, it's a five hour drive west. I um, have been able to see how y'all synergy with each other is really phenomenal. It's uh, inspiring to see. So I, I like coming to visit you guys and seeing y'all's you know fine outfit cool well i greatly appreciate that that's very nice of you to say uh we, we do appreciate that um so how many years at blanchard uh i was there for about 11 years okay um coolest coin you sold Oh, I mean, my first coin was a, believe it or not, a Men's State 67 Oregon commemorative with, uh, you know, a lot of natural color to the coin. And uh, you could tell I was a real coin weenie because nobody sold, you know, commemoratives, let alone one in Men's State 67 with rainbow toning. But it was just, you know, paying homage to the fact that I was big into coins, you know, How and was, I love talking about them. Okay, so let's say, so so an Oregon in seven with color. How much did that sell for back then? Back then it was uh, $1,500. Okay. Yeah, but coins like that, and today it's probably a you know a higher grade, I would suspect. And but coins like that, you just don't find today. You know, most of those coins go in collections, and they don't ever come back out. I think some of the coins that I sold, and they were big numbered coins, and if they were on the market today, there's there's no telling the kind of prices. You know, yeah, it's it's amazing though in these last twenty years because I remember when the first nineteen um, oh the eighteen oh four dollar it brought nine hundred ninety thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars shy of a million dollars, and uh, you probably remember Leon Hendrickson was involved in that. Yeah. And and then you, you you look to today and it's like million dollar coins are almost customary. They're everywhere. Like every week a, a million dollar coin trades. Yeah. And to see a $18 million coin, it's just, you know, I was optimistic about the, the coin market 20 years ago, but my optimism has been far exceeded. And COVID with what we've seen during COVID with this market continue to rage on even further has been one of those things where any doubter that's out there, mm, that, that doubt will go away fast. Okay, so on that, so what do you attribute that into the coin space, in the rare coin space, right? So you saw there were a lot of different collectibles, you know, in a lot of different areas that, that gained new collectors or older collectors who spent more money on rare items. Um, what do you attribute it to rare coins in terms of, in terms of COVID? Do you think, like, where did it come from? Why, why all of a sudden rare coins? Because it literally went from zero to, to 60, like in two seconds. It did. That's quick. I think there's so much money um, out there. I mean, you, you think about the incredible amount of money that's been created with interest rates at nearly 0%. Um, there's a phenomenal amount of cash out there. Um, you looked at the cryptocurrency market, the amount of money uh, people, I would say, used to make in that entity. And there's just so many dollars, but yet, you know, 1933 and prior gold coins like that, they just don't make them anymore. And so you've got a limited supply and you've got a massive amount of money chasing too few goods. And, you know, simple supply and demand, simple economics uh, would tell you that that limited supply is going to see increased uh, prices. And that's what we have seen. And it's just shocking to me to see, you know, so many coins that used to be fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 today, they're six-figure rarities. And, you know, you're, you're hard-pressed to get them uh at that price point yeah no i mean it's it's tough like you said to get those um you know i I feel like in covid time it's it feels like more people were at home yeah they're pulling out their collections they're 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 bored yep and they're looking for other things to do and they they start to get back into their hobbies that they they they've been doing since they were 
you know, a kid. Yeah, I agree. So I attribute uh, a lot to that. More time on their hands to do things like coin collecting, you know. Yeah. And yeah. some people say, hey, what I really liked to do as a kid, why did I why did I let that go? And a lot of those people had, you know, a couple of years to focus on things that were, you know, relatively unimportant and became important. Yeah. And so it continued to generate uh, interest in collectible coins. Yeah. And then um, what's so we talked about your first coin that you sold. Uh, what was the coolest coin that that you got to sell? Or that you, you know, one of your favorite coins that you've, you've got to hold. There's so many coins that are out there uh, that I really love. But, you know, the story of the half Disney, you know, yeah. and I like yeah. to believe that was made with the melted down silverware of George and Martha sure. Washington. That, that That's, to me, really cool. Yeah, uh, very chain cool. scent. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, no stars, two and a half. Um, yep. Coiled hair, Stella. Um, it's yeah. hard for me to rank you know, the coolest coins that I placed so um, many. over the years. Yeah, but yeah. it doesn't matter if it's a copper coin, a bronze coin, a silver coin, gold coin. I just, you know, there's there's so many stories. And I think most people that are big into coins, they typically have a real appreciation for history. And yeah. so uh, I know when I'm looking at coins, I, I think about that. I think more about the history of the coin and not so much the pricing, the value. But I sure. get it. There's a lot of people that are into coins just to make money. But to me, it's, uh, you know, a piece of history that you can hold yeah. in your hands. Yeah. And with the advent and, you know, hats off to John Albanese, because that's when I started buying some pretty decent coins with uh, the advent of NGC and PCGS that gave a lot more comfort, you know, because a lot of people, their eye is not, you know, all that great. Sure. Um, but that makes uh, a lot of the concerns about spending big bucks in the marketplace when, you know, you haven't been a coin grader, a yeah. professional coin grader, which I don't think I could ever do. I'd lose my mind. I think this little table <laughs> and I think about five or six people in a dark room looking at, you know, 3,000 coins for, a day. And a at day, some point yeah. in time, they'd take me out of there in a straight jacket. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But to be able to tap that expertise that they no doubt have sure. and to have that actually on the coin sealed uh you know what you're getting and yeah. coins trading like commodity has brought you know incredible amounts of money into the coin market and i think for years to come they're going to continue to see you know that kind of capitalization of the coin market continue to grow and i'm yeah. excited to see uh u.s coins kind of on the forefront of seeing yeah. that occur and taking an inventory in some of the most amazing rarities i love coming here last time i was here i got to see some proof coins from uh the 1830s and yep. you rarely get to see that i mean these were yeah. pop one and oh coins so yeah no i every day i mean even downstairs in the store every day is a, a you know a treasure someone brings in something just super cool um you know and it, it's not always a coin it could be a, a you know a vintage watch or it could be a piece of paper money but we get to see some really cool documents and things like that as well but um yeah no it's great it's really good what uh really great what uh, john's doing for coins i mean i feel like cac you know, has been just a, what a huge plus for the retail market, you know, to be yep. able to get something in that they, you know, not only just has a, a little white sticker that says PQ plus, 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 but now there's actual green stickers that, you know, a lot of retailers can get into and they can get extra points on their registry and, yeah. um, but super cool. Yeah. And that's, you know, uh, growing by leaps and bounds. And I mean, most people are very familiar with it, but I, the other day I had somebody who's like, Paul, 
I, I'm embarrassed to ask you this, but you, you keep talking about the green bean. In my world, a green bean is something that you eat, you <laughs> yes, know? Right. And I was surprised. I was like, I've never explained this to you. And I felt terrible. I was like doing him an injustice. And I said, let me give you a quick lesson. But yeah. I mean, to me, it's 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 awesome. And it's just yeah. another um, way to know that what you're buying has got that important seal of approval. And yeah. so I, I tell people, if you love coins, there's so many different protections now that exist in the industry. Sure. It, it's not like it was, you know, 30 years ago, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. So, guess talking about CAC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The new grading service, or no? We're just, just getting. Into, we're talking about nice coins and and right. how you know. How do you feel about, about how do you feel yeah. about the new grading service? Oh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be interesting to watch it uh, continue to uh, take root as a grading service. I mean, CAC's been around for a relatively uh, long period of time. I yeah. think a lot of folks knew that at some point in time it might transition into a full-fledged grading service. And with somebody like John Albanese, who started both NGC and PCGS, um, I think they put together a really wonderful team of graders, and um, it's got a great future. But I also think about, you know, if you want to call it the end user, the people that buy rare coins. And yeah. I just tell you, when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old, if I hypothetically had a lot of money to buy coins, uh, I could have gotten myself in trouble. But yeah. my point is, is the safeguards now that exist with all the different websites and information yeah. that you guys put out and others, um, people feel comfortable. And I think that's why you're seeing, you know, so many coins that, uh, you know, 20, 25 years ago, were trading at a small fraction of where they are today. People have a great de- degree of comfort and sure. buying coins. And it's like you said, during COVID, everybody had all this time and, and they went back to their roots as a kid. What what do I really like? And that's yeah. not just with coins. That's with any kind of collectible. You look at, you know, comic books sure. or uh, die cast uh, cars or, or watches and, and the capitalization cards. of those yeah. baseball cards. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've they've gone up in significantly and, and I'm yeah. not surprised now. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's the most expensive coin you handled? Oh, the most expensive you coin did that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and I've traded a lot of really expensive coins, but I, yeah. I never. When I worked for Blanchard, I actually traveled with them a lot because a lot of times it was my job to deliver uh, coins. And with Y2K, I remember a lot of times we would uh, trade out a bullion um, at the end of Y2K. As we got into year 2000, the concerns for a lot of people went away. But a lot yeah. of times people would trade their bullion for, you know, sometimes we'd have 200 pounds of silver and gold and we'd give them one coin. And they'd be yeah. like, oh, thank you. And I was <laughs> like, okay. But I had the pleasure of, you know, flying, spending three hours with that coin and bringing it to those folks and you know as a kid a six-year-old kid traveling with the 13 liberty nickel or you know some of these amazing coins that i've had the opportunity to spend a little time with is pretty awesome but it's always uh, peculiar when you're on an airplane and you're sitting next to somebody and i don't know about you guys when you travel with coins i hold them in my hand yeah. i don't let go and yeah. and you know the person sitting next to you you want to tell them the story because we're <laughs> we're storytellers where we love history but at some point they're going to say can i hold it and the answer to that i'm afraid to say is is yeah. no you yeah, know what i'm saying yeah. no i can't i'll show yeah. you the front i'll or the obverse, the reverse. I actually have a shirt. This tells you how big of a coin weenie I am. On the front of the shirt, it says obverse. In the back, it says reverse. My wife's like, Paul, if you're going to leave the house wearing that, I'm not going with you. You know, so I was like, okay, I'll change my shirt. Yeah, I think that's, that's funny. When, when like, we've gotten some collections in before. Uh, some of our customers, you know, it's items that are passed down. So it's coin collection that was passed down. Um, and then that's how they kind of get into the, collecting. But I've I've had some instances where a customer wanted to trade a coin for bullion, and you know when you get in some of the bigger coins and they trade it for silver, you know it's it's funny the trade off when you give someone one coin and you get all this silver, but 
when someone tries to oh, trade, it's the opposite either, of that. yeah, tries yeah. to trade a, a, a big coin or they try to trade, uh, you know, something like a couple of rolls of gold. Yep. You know, the difference in the amount of size uh, that you would get with silver is just, it's pretty funny. Yeah, no, I get you know, it. You'll have to make trips to come back to, you know. Yeah, you're to, right. Yeah, it's so. I love what you guys do here, though, because, um, you know, people come in uh, off the streets from this area and I would imagine around the state. And a lot of times as a service to them, y'all do appraisals, give them an idea. If somebody passes, you can tell them because a lot of times what people do is they just, you know, they got 100, 200 coins. They just give everybody a third of that 100 or 200. And, you know, that that is not fair. But you guys will give an appraisal or or tell them the history of their coins. And it's not like they're obligated to sell them. And I think that's really awesome. I wish when I was six years old, there was a place like U.S. Coins that I could go to. I remember yeah. I'd ride my bike up the street, and they were nice people, but they were closed down before I even went to, to college. But it was just some old, you know, coin shop, kind of yeah. like, you know, probably a lot of them in small uh, towns. But I grew up in a fairly big city. But here, you yeah. guys are, like, on the cutting edge, and, you know, it's a, it's a major operation. I, I think that's awesome. So yeah. the six-year-old Paul would have loved to have stumbled across uh, U.S. Coins, uh, <laughs> what, 40-some-odd years ago. Yeah. I keep wanting to say 30-some-odd years ago. <laughs> but I'm now 50, so it was, you know, 44, 45 years old. And your dad shared stories about you guys cutting grass. That's what I would do. I was going to tell him that sometimes I wouldn't even knock on a door to cut grass. I would just cut their grass. And a couple of times, ladies would run out and, get out of here, what are you doing? But every now and then, I'd be completing the job, and they felt compelled to give me $5, $10, whatever the going rate was. And then I'd jump on my bike, go to the coin shop, and go through all those books and buy whatever I thought was cool, you know. But I based it off of vision. You know, whatever yep. looked really cool, and they had stamps, but that was never, never my thing. But coins always has been. So, do you do you think philatelics are dead? Uh, I wouldn't say dead, <laughs> but I remember as a young person, numismatist slipped off my tongue so much easier than philatelics. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? And right. so, um, I just don't think that market has evolved. And let's face it, it's it's you know paper with a little bit of gum on the back, and I, I just don't get excited about that. Yeah. I mean, I I know there's some really cool stamps that are out there, but um, I would say you know if I'm putting money in something that's a tangible, I, I think that the metals you can't go wrong with as, as a hedge against inflation. And we've seen a, a tremendous amount of that here, especially right. lately. I think we're going to see that, you know, continued into the future. Fed's doing everything they possibly can to, to, to curtail that. But, I mean, hell, we, heck, we might have 8% interest rates. And imagine buying a house at a 8 9% interest rate. But you got to stamp yeah. out inflation. So, you know, I kind of feel for the Federal Reserve. They are in a pickle. But we've yeah. gotten ourselves into this pickle. But the point with all that is, is you can't go wrong with real, tangible assets. And that, yeah. that's the thing that makes me a believer at heart, which is, you know, the thing about gold and silver and platinum and, and rare coins, it's just something stable and real and tangible um, that I think everybody ought to have. And I think everybody likes a little stash. You know, I yeah, tell people, course, you know, you yeah. may have a safe, you may not. Some people yeah. think of a safe to store guns, but I don't know about you. I just like having my little stash. Little and stash. I don't mean yeah. cash because cash just kind of devalues over time, but metals and coins, you yeah. know, they, they, they don't devalue and it's always yeah. real and it's something you can put in your hands. And the six-year-old Paul gives it to, not gives, but hands it to people. And if they don't get excited, I think something's wrong with them. But they look at me and they're like, something's wrong with this guy. But the reality is, is, you know, I'm just a guy that's followed my heart. And I think I'll love coins until the end. And I've enjoyed my 11 years in uh, political office, but I I love coins and the stories that go along with them uh, even more by leaps and bounds, believe it or not. So what got you into, what got you into run for that house seat? 
my dad was in public service and in my family, um, public service was instilled as something um, very important to us. And I've got two brothers and one moved out of Louisiana um, and the other brother, I mean, he's as entertaining as they come, but he's, he's, he's really goofy. And I, I think it was decided that if anybody was going to run for public office, uh, it would be me. Uh, my wife is lovely and she's, everything about her is great, but she does not like politics uh, in the least. And she's like, look, I know you want to do this. If you do it, you know, I'll support you, but don't, don't expect me to go knocking on doors or anything like that. And I remember you, you got to knock on doors. Somebody yeah. offered me a, a red 10 K and I drank it. And I didn't know that my lips were bright red. I looked like a, a clown and I probably <laughs> knocked on 200 doors that day. I go home. My wife's like, did you do good today? And I said, Oh yeah, I talked to so many people. I got a lot of voters. She's like, have you looked in the mirror? And I said, no, why? And she says, just go look in the mirror. And I look in the mirror and I got a big old clown face from drinking, you know, red 10 K. But the point, though, is, is here I am 11 years later, and there's so many of those people that, you know, at town hall meetings or just various events, they're like, you knocked on my door, and I, I didn't want to tell you, but you had, a, like, the biggest Kool-Aid mustache ever, you know? <laughs> so, but most of the time, you got dogs barking at you, and, yeah. you, you yeah. know, people would open the door, and they wouldn't have a shirt on, and yeah. awkward, and they <laughs> want to try to solve all the world's problems, and you're like, this is weird for me. How yeah. is this not weird for you? But, you know, like, politics. Do I get your vote or not? Like, yeah. Right, right. I, I like, need to, to, to move. You're actually along. here. Let's talk. About or, or, or go away, go away. Yeah. So I guess my point though is, is you know, in, in my 50 years of life, coins have given me so many stories. But uh, my service in public office, my time at the state capitol, um, you know, it's it, it's it's been fun, and I've just followed my heart, and, and I feel like a guy that's uh, never worked a day in my life. The worst day that I've had, and if I can say this is my worst day, driving into the capitol one day, they uh, installed these bollards. Which do y'all know what a bollard is? Yes. Yeah, yeah metal rod. A lot yeah. of people are like, well, what is a bollard? Yeah. Three rods and I'm driving over something and all of a sudden the rods eject <laughs> under the hood of my car. Airbag goes off and I go shake the governor's hands. And at the time we had a, a governor, Bobby Jindal, got the softest hands. You know, he shakes my hands. I'm like, ah, oh, it hurt terrible. Like Superman shaking the hand of, who was it? The, the bad guy in the black suit. You probably know who I'm talking about. Wait, uh, no, crunched his hand. The three arch criminals. Who's that guy? You're, you're into comic books. You should know that. The three arch criminals. He shook his hand. He crushed it. You remember that? Uh, well, that's the way it felt when <laughs> our governor, Bobby Jindal, shook my hand. And he's like, there's, there's blood on your cuff there. And I was like, oh, gosh. And what I didn't realize is the endorphins from having an airbag hit you in the face and the oh, bollard yeah. in my car. Yeah. And my car was like bouncing up and down from <laughs> the bollards, you know, not working properly. Yep. Anyway, I ended up going to the hospital. You got to go with the state police. That's kind of the rules. And that was embarrassing because every Everybody thought I was a criminal. I didn't know that, but they're like, we thought you were a criminal because when criminals come here, they usually have a state police with them. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm a legislator. The bollards hit my car. Airbag went off, cut my hand. So that was a bad day. Yeah. But I've had a lot of good days. And I like, I like serving the people. And, you know, I love engaging with the, with the public, my constituents. It's, it's been quite a ride. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So you, you've been an advocate to basically squash state sales tax on bullion and rare coins. Yes. Right? That's been, you know, that's kind of your, that's your deal, right? Um, it seems that a lot of states are kind of, they're going that way, right? Kind of, they're getting out of it. I think like Wisconsin, and I don't know, I think there's 13, is it 13 states that still have sales tax? 
Yeah, in some sort of capacity, because they all are um, convoluted in the way that they apply it. It, It's not straightforward at all. But I'm actually having a fiscal impact report done as we speak to to tell me what what are the implications. And what you find is in those states that have significant sales tax, people just, it's kind of like they shop with their feet, so to speak. Uh, And and they'll go buy where they don't have to to pay. And and it's sad because somebody wants to, you know, sometimes y'all will sell coins or bullion at a tiny margin. and, And and the government's going to take a margin that's 10 times greater than that, uh, that that's that's terrible, you yeah. know, and, and to do anything to discourage people. I mean, we've been off the gold standard for a very long time, having worked with, with, with um, Jimmy Blanchard, who advocated for owning gold. A lot of people, even very intellectual people, don't realize it was illegal to own gold for a long period of time. But you can kind of create your own gold standard. But if you got to buy gold and pay a 9% sales tax on yeah. top of it, it makes it a bad deal for everybody. Yeah, it's no fun. Yeah, I can't imagine many people doing it. So, yeah, well, good for you. I mean, that's. I mean, they've got they've got the right guy in their corner. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I'm, you know, share all the information. There's, I don't know if there's a a single coin dealer in any legislature, and I'm the one that can, you know, share with them the impacts of, of what it's doing. Not not to the industry, but to people in general that don't have the ability to to buy this without having to shell out, you know, significant amounts of that money to to Uncle Sam, which I think is um, unnecessary. And and the truth is, is people just don't buy it. They go elsewhere to to get it. I'm I'm pleased to see that Texas uh, has no, you know, sales tax on coins and i hope that states continue to you know follow in in yeah. the footsteps of texas and um you know south carolina and and florida and other states that have done can, away with it can you give me what what is the louisiana you, you told me and i and so, but there was like five or six people talking behind you so tell me what is the actual tax in louisiana on bullion and rare coins well it's dependent uh we don't have counties like y'all do here okay. y'all, you don't say y'all either do you? Uh, y'all have uh counties we have parishes Parish. but each parish yeah. has a, a different uh, local tax but all in i would tell you it's somewhere between nine and ten and a half percent um, and then the way it's applied is complicated too, because there's all kinds of ambiguous um, ways where you don't have to pay sales tax, and there are ways that you do have to uh, pay sales tax, and then it's been changed many a times. And most coin dealerships are not like a car dealership where it's 40 or 50 employees. There's a lot of coin dealerships that are three to five people. I mean, U.S. Coins is a big operation. Y'all could deal with the implications, but the tip typical mom and pop coin shop with three or four people, um, it's confusing to them. And I asked them, what's your understanding? Because I visit with a lot of people in Louisiana in this business, and they look at me, you know, puzzled, you know, and they asked me to explain it to them. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, at the forefront of this, and it's it's complicated. It's not um, straightforward. But the bottom line is across the nation, you you shouldn't have um, sales tax on, you know, something that's important for people to own. It's kind of like life insurance. It's important for people to own, especially if you're starting a young family and sure. hey, imagine putting a, a, a tax on that or trading your home and you got to put a nine or ten percent i mean <laughs> coins and bullion are no different of an asset class than you know a lot of people have and it yeah. should be treated as such with uh sales tax so where where do you see louisiana going 
in terms of sales tax? There was a time period about five years ago where they had to look at uh, 350 different tax exemptions to determine which ones are absolutely necessary and which ones weren't. And so basically, like a landscaper, we don't tax landscapers. Uh, you know, they don't have to charge a sales tax. Uh, the guy that cleans your pool or what have you. Um, but those entities that were taxed, they had to come to the capital and make a case for why they thought it was, um, you know, they should be exempt. They had to fight for their uh, exemption. But my point with all that is, is we just got to a point where, no, we're just going to rip it, you know, the Band-Aid off and everybody had to pay um, tax. And unfortunately, those, um, you know, repeals haven't happened as fast as um, I'd like. And I hope that next year, uh, in 2023, we can do a, you know, a full um, repeal of the, the sales tax on coins and bullion. Well, that would be great. Yeah, that would. And it's good for people in Louisiana to know that you guys got somebody here fighting for you. And <clears throat> deep down, there's somebody in every state that's doing it, right? Yes. Um, you know, we've got, I know who's advocating here in Texas. Um, I know my Uncle Dan uh, advocated in uh, in the uh, state of Washington. Okay. Um, you know, and beat that and got that repealed. Yeah. Um, it's so crucial to the business. You know, I couldn't imagine having a 4 or 5% tax on bullion. I mean, it would just, yeah. it would just, it would decimate our business. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it would decimate the business. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it just, maybe, I don't know. It, it, I, I never thought of it, you know. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do any business. I mean. With that. No, you couldn't. It would be very tough. It would be very tough. Um, so, awesome. So, we appreciate that. I mean, yeah. just, I mean, from, yeah. from. From a coin dealer, fellow coin dealers, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are thanking you right now for, for, you know, basically standing up for coin shops, understanding, you know, being an avid coin collector, or at least, you know, falling in love with the coins at age of six and, you know, carrying it into your professional career and then, you know, doing at the state level, you know, and, and going into the House of Representatives and fighting for coin dealers. I mean, that's that's awesome. You know, thank you very much. I appreciate oh, yeah. that. My pleasure. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that appreciate that. Um I fight the red light cameras too. I hate those red light cameras, you know? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. We had those for I've a never while. paid a I've never paid a red light camera bill. <laughs> well, this is terrible. I told somebody trace your middle finger, put that on their invoice, because I call it an invoice. I don't I don't call it a ticket because they, they're all from out of state. I mean yeah. and, and they're owned uh, some of them are owned by entities outside the United I think States. It's Alabama. Does Alabama yes. have them? Um, I don't Mo know. I think I got one from Mobile, Alabama. It's terrible for and people. Like, I mean for tourism and for 10 years. Yeah, but it, I, th I think we had a brief, uh, we had them for a brief. You, you had them, but I don't think anybody ever paid them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And I think that it was, it was like one of those, not honor Pretty system sure type one. things, but it, there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't a, you know, so like say for instance, you get a speeding ticket, you don't pay your speeding ticket. They, that you suspend your license, Yeah, but they weren't suspending your licenses for running. Red right. right. They treat so it different and they, they don't affect your insurance or anything no. of that nature. So I think people kind of gave it the big F you yeah. and, and yeah. you know, and they were kind of like, after all, they were like, well, I guess this isn't get, this isn't going to work. <laughs> well, I tried to get rid of it and they're like, you Hollis really want this to go to a vote. I really thought I had like seven or eight members. So I didn't think I was going to embarrass myself. And it was 14 to one. I look around the room. No, 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 no. And I was like, you rascals. Cause the night before they were all with me. And I was like, not even the courtesy of coming to yes, me, right. but the chair wanted me to save a little face. Like, are you sure you want to bring this to a vote? And I just was so, you know, uh, optimistic. 
and he's like, yeah, you got beat up pretty good there. But truth be known, it was a badge of honor. And I was like, yeah. I can't believe 14 people voted against that, you know? Yeah. And so. But what um, was it for? For but, okay, So what was in it for them? All I wanted was a constitutional amendment, which basically says the people of Louisiana have the opportunity to vote. Do they want these cameras or do they not want the cameras? Yeah. But and, what and, was in it for the ones that said yay? Uh, I hate to say it. I think that they, you know, reported to small town government officials and mayors that counted on that revenue. And oh all I gosh. say is it's a, a, a big money grab. Somebody did a public yeah. records request in New Orleans and they had like three or 400 emails pertaining to the red light cameras. And in three or 400 emails, um, they were all related to either uh, money. None of them were about safety. None at yeah, all were about it. safety. So they hide behind safety. And what a lot of people don't know is 50%, usually 45 to 55% goes to a company that is out of state. And one of the big ones is based out of Australia. It was so. NTB or NT, MT. I always see an MBT or NTB or something like that where it's like, you know, you owe the state of Texas. Like, wait a minute. This is not an official stamp from the state of Texas. This is from some third-party company right. that's either collecting, either they bought the debt on you know, for pennies on the dollar or something. And usually, and you don't even, like here in Texas, if you got one, you wouldn't send it in Louisiana. It's to Arizona. And it's like, I'm not going to send that off. I've gotten two. Once I was bringing my daughter to the emergency room, she was white as a ghost, dehydrated. And I was like, I'll be darned. They had a camera right outside the hospital. And I call them like salespeople. That must have been a top performer for them because typically yeah. when you go in the hospital, you're, you're hauling you're, butt. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're hurrying. If it were an officer, they'd have, you know probably help me get to the hospital that much quicker yeah, or sure. taking into consideration the circumstances. And so that was annoying. And the one time I was on Poydras Street and we had Mardi Gras parade. Y'all probably have them here too, but they were staging a parade and uh, an officer was like waving me through the red light. And I'm yeah. like, do I follow the officer's command, which I decided to do, um, or do I you know, pay attention to the so red light? And so just, I drove yeah. through it and wouldn't you know, two weeks later, I get a ticket. You know, a ticket the mail and yeah. then you got to go fight literally city hall and plead your case and i just ignored that and so i just wrote yeah. on the little letter that they sent me no tear this up and i continue to get those every six months i i think you know they just automatically send out a little invoice to me which they'll never get paid because i was told by the officer to do that but there's yeah. so many people they don't have the time or they don't have the desire to uh, you know to not, fight that yeah, and i don't blame it. them they but then the they're, they're spending yeah. their hard-earned money for yeah. no good reason yeah. it's sad yeah. Yeah. well i'm not sending i'm not sending anything i don't blame arizona until they learn how to count votes. Yeah, no, smart. Yeah, I'm not now you're on to something yeah, that across not, this country, people are, you know, following those stories. Let me just tell you. As I, they should. I, uh, I'm i not a, you know, I try to stay just like away from political stuff. I'm just, number one, I'm not smart enough to really truly talk about it. No, that's not true at all. So, Well, I can tell you one thing, though. I do know how to count. And, um, <laughs> you know, I just don't understand this vote counting thing. Yeah. Even in you think County, it'd be easy and straightforward and oh, it's, just, it's anything but. Yeah. It's just in the last, it just seems like in the last two election cycles, it's gotten so weird and it's gotten so gray and yeah, weird, you know. I, it I is weird. It's weird. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the thing is, is that the media is so messed up. You don't know, you don't know what to believe. And, yep. you know, you, if you're on Twitter, then you're seeing one thing. And if you're watching, you know, CNN, you're here one thing. You see Fox, you see something different. It's kind of like, wait a minute. Hold on. So, like, what's re what's really going on here? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is that there is some issues with voting, counting yeah. votes. I mean, that there's no, there's no denying that. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. Whether it's, and that's unfortunate. Whether you know? it's for one side or the other, I'm not saying who. It just, 
for some reason, it's pretty effed up. That, yeah, that no, you're right. You can't figure out how to count votes. It's yeah. just kind of crazy to me. You're right. And the fuel for democracy is people showing up and doing their civic duty and participating yeah. in elections. But when you start losing that, you know, fidelity, um, I get it's it. scary. It makes a lot of people say, I don't even know that I want to participate. And that's unfortunate. And, that, and that's kind of, unfortunately, what what happens yeah. unless people participate because they, they think their, their vote doesn't count. Yeah. No, you're definitely yeah. right. Right. And then... Now what do you have? You know, it's right? Just, it's just it's it's just weird. All right, but to get off of that, um, you spent some time on television. Yep. Okay, selling some coins. Um, you were telling me a pretty funny story. Um, you know, so give me give me a funny story. I'm trying to think of a, a PG. <laughs> yeah, I want a, a PG. You uh, can go a little PG 13 plus on this on this show. Okay, let me let me PG think. PG 25. <laughs> well, I mean. Every every now and then they would have somebody have a uh, uh, something leading up to our show, and and there was a a young girl selling jewelry, and she you know was trying to showcase the the ring, and when you know she puts it on a, on her middle finger, and the camera people upstairs you know have her basically shooting the bird straight forward <laughs> at the camera, and she's like look at the solid ten carat gold shank on that ring, and they're in her earpiece saying honey, you know put put that finger down put that finger <laughs> down you know and then one time my partner i didn't know it they ran tape and i had just bought a house in tennessee and i always lived in louisiana but i bought a house in tennessee because i could tell they wanted me to show a little commitment and so i did it was a big house and and anyway that very first show my my partner robert's like um melting down and saying all kinds of terrible words on tv and i'm like looking upstairs at the booth going what is going on this is insane what's <laughs> happening right here and then when it finally came to an end you know, they said to me, Paul, don't worry. That was not broadcast. And I said, what? Well, what was going on? And they said, we ran the first half hour that y'all did from 11 to 1130. And this was like 2 a.m. And so I was like, oh, but all the monitors was like everything that we were, you know, doing in the middle of the night yeah. was being broadcast. And so I was like, oh, they, they, they were messing with me. And everybody yeah. on the crew was in on it. Y'all got a you know nice crew here, but there was probably 15 people there. And yeah. then you had, you know, 100 people answering the phone. And I was like, what? This is like surreal. I mean, yeah. this whole show's about to go uh under so i've just you know it been doing coins for such a long time and it was a very peculiar thing because coin shows usually are done in the middle of the night and uh like two to four a.m i remember the hotel i used to stay at they were like this guy's casual all the time but at like 1 30 a.m he walks out in a suit usually with powder on my forehead and then at 5 a.m <laughs> i come back exhausted you know it's kind of like two hours on tv is like a 10 hour day because you got to have so much energy but you know i did that for a number of years and you know really really enjoyed it. And then I transitioned from TV to uh, politics, and then that brings me to where I'm at today. Well, cool. How was that for somewhat PG, borderline? Yeah, yeah it was, that, that was, was good. good. You could have dug a little deeper. Yeah, maybe maybe the next podcast. How's that? All right, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll be more comfortable sharing some of the, <laughs> the deep down stories, but I, I got quite a few from my time on TV. You got to keep it entertaining, you know? No so, doubt. yeah. So those, so those couple hours there, you were like full force, like super like positive and upbeat and so yes. like it takes a lot out of you yeah and, and why do they shoot it so is it is it just the, the time slot or is it like why in the world would it be from two to four two to five a.m I think that's when, you know, the coins would perform really well. I mean, we'd have some coin shows during the day, and they did okay. But in the middle of the night, for whatever reason, that's when yeah. we called them the, the coin. People would come out and, yeah. you know, buy buy coins and, you know, 
There was one time, this is safe to share. You have your little IFB that records everything. Yeah. I was in the bathroom. I, I forgot to turn it off. And they're in my earpiece saying, Hollis, man, turn off your IFB. And I was like, oh my gosh. So they heard a 20 some odd second stream. And that was, that, that was really embarrassing, you know? So I've had my fair share of stories. There's, yeah. there's no doubt about that. But I, I, the six-year-old Paul never would have thought that I'd been treated to the experiences uh, yeah. that I've seen. But um, anyway. So the House of Representatives, that's cool. You know, that's cool. Chair seat 104, 11 years. You know, that's something that you that's coming to an end. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I uh, We have four-year terms in Louisiana for a House member, okay. and you're term limited, uh, unlike Congress, but in state legislatures, a lot of them do have uh, term limits. And I think it's good. It brings in, you know, uh, enthusiasm, different perspectives. And yeah. some people, after time, they, they, they get a little bit lazy, and their passion, uh, you know, ebbs and flows. And so, and I like new blood. I got there because of term limits that preceding person was you know termed out and so in another year i'll be out of office and i could run for another seat and i consider it but believe it or not my passion is truly for coins and i can tell you i was going to ask yeah. you that so like so te- so tell me what like okay so you've you know i guess you'll, you'll spend 12 years okay once it's finished in 104 what do people in your situation do next as far as climbing the political ladder What's the next step? What do you? Whose throat do you go after next? I <laughs> mean, that's I, a good way to put it. I mean, you're, you're absolutely yeah, right. I mean, uh, you can go from one chamber to the other, the House to the Senate. Sometimes yeah. you even have people come from the Senate to the House, which is uh, kind of a demotion, you of know. Course, but you yeah. could run for like y'all have probably call it a county commissioner in Louisiana. We call it a parish president. Okay, uh, you could do that. You could run for a public service commission, which is not something unique to Louisiana, but I don't think all states have it. You could run for a parish wide office, like uh, if you're a physician coroner. Actually, in Louisiana, you don't have to be a coroner to uh, be a physician to be a coroner. You could run for um, clerk. Um, but you know, if I were to run for another office, I'd probably run for a statewide office, uh, Lieutenant governor, basically promote the state of Louisiana would be a heck of a lot of fun. But the problem is, is I really like our current Lieutenant governor, uh, to be governor of the state of Louisiana or any state nowadays, you got to raise $20 million. Um, that's not easy to do. And I can tell you, it's not a whole lot of fun to do. I mean, even in a state legislative seat nowadays, you got to spend four or $500,000. Because it's hard to get your message out to the people. You do a few mailers, you do a couple of TV spots, it's it's big bucks, you know. radio and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. or local TV or or whatever the case may be. Um, But, you know, I I could run for something in the future, but um, I I can just tell you that my focus has been, you know, transitioning from political office um, to uh, coins. Because when I think of three or four cool stories and politics and I compare them to the 20 or 30 stories I have about coins, um, I, I, I have more enthusiasm and passion when I talk about uh, collectibles and, and coins. And I've done coins a lot longer than I have done uh, 11 years in, in politics, but I mean, it gets stale. We, we can debate five hours, one crazy bill. I mean, I wasn't that long ago we were debating whether or not kids could bring a suntan lotion uh, into school. And because they have some sort of FDA um, sticker on them, it, it was in need of debate, but was it in need of five hours of debate and there are times where we'll debate something and i'm not kidding seven eight hours yeah and then i'll pass with 
with no opposition whatsoever. And I'm like, I really want that seven or eight hours back, back you know? So <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, but I, you know, I encourage people to get involved in uh, public service. And, and my dad inspired me. He didn't like coins. He could care less about coins, but he was big into public service. And I think he'd be happy to this day that I followed in his footsteps and uh, served in the legislature for my, my 12 years. And, uh, but my real passion, you know, ever since, you know, my grandmother handed me that peace dollar has been uh, coins, as strange as that is. So, well, grandmas buy peace dollars and give them to your grandkids. Um, you never know what will happen. You could, uh, you could, uh, you can inspire the next president of the United States. Um, well, Paul, I appreciate you taking the My time pleasure. to come and, Good uh, being and with hang you guys. out with us. Yeah. And thank you for all the hard work you do for our community and just for the coin community in general. Yeah. Um, you know, keeping collectors and, you know, keeping retail buyers in mind in the forefront. Yeah. You know, buying a tangible asset, you know, sh- there should be no tax. I mean, that's just not even. Couldn't agree know, more. I mean, it just doesn't make much sense. So, you know, we appreciate you fighting the good fight. And thanks for coming on the Coin Shop yeah, Podcast. My pleasure. We appreciate your time, yeah. all right? Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Guys, yeah. that's another edition. Uh, that's a two for Tuesday, the first two for Tuesday ever um, on the Coin Shop Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Y'all take care. You've been listening to the Coin Shop Podcast with your hosts, Kenny and Matthew Duncan. For more information, please check out uscoinsandjewelry.com. And please join us again soon for another edition of the Coin Shop Podcast.